Now, where did I put them? Hmm. Ah, here it is. Welcome to the Toolbox. Tools for life and everything in between. Stuff you can use or toss, it's up to you. Hey everybody, thanks for coming back. This is uh, episode 15, I think, of uh, Tools for the Toolbox. And I have a fantastic guest with me today. But as you can see, we are now in video. This is a, a new stream for me. So we're going to see how it goes from there. But we're going to start off right off the bat with a simple question that I always ask. Who are you and what is your military background? Hey, Chance. First of all, buddy, thank you so much for having me on. And thank you so much for the, uh, the job you're doing. Yeah. You know, like, like I always said, once one story could be somebody else's recovery story, right? So it's, uh, I think it's important for everybody to talk it out. So that's a good thing for sure. My pleasure um, having you. Yeah. So, uh, I'm John O'Neill. I was, uh, you know, born and raised down in Cape Breton, down in Glace Bay, Nova Scotia. Um, as a child, uh, growing up was a little bit different. My parents passed away at an early age. So I, you know, I was, uh, kind of moved around a little bit, um, back and forth, but then I ended up growing up in a fantastic home, uh, friends of my mom. And I think uh, I always inspired to do something um, that was bigger than I was. Uh, and the military was always kind of that, that thing that always sat in the back of my mind and I thought about. So after I uh, finished high school, I went off to trade school and I started taking heavy duty mechanics. And, and it just wasn't for me. It was, I was in there, I was going through the, the motions, but uh, it just wasn't enough of a thrill. So I, I put my application in for the military and next thing you know, they called me and they're like, Hey, uh, we got a job offer. And they were like, do you want to be RCR or Patricia? And I'm like, I have no idea what your one is. So I'm like, he's like, do you want to live on the East coast or the West coast? And I, I said, the East coast. And he's like, okay, RCR it is. You're leaving for Cornwallis on June 24th. This was back in 1994. And the way I went, uh, yeah, I got on a flight to Halifax on a bus ride to Cornwallis, and that was my first introduction to the military. You know, I, I've always told people when they're getting in to go somewhere else, and nobody ever believes me. Yeah. <laughs> I had my cousin uh, signed up right after I retired, and I, he was like, oh, I'm going to be in the Armored Corps. I'm going to go with the Strats. And I'm like, man, go out east. Just, like, <laughs> start over, meet new people, yeah. new area enjoy life you don't like you everyone knows alberta from alberta you sure. don't need to be here right go somewhere else yeah go but somewhere else. i did the same thing when i got in right i was like i want to go back to alberta that's where i'm from boom yeah. so <laughs> i went yeah. straight back so but, true. So true. yeah it's one of those uh one of those weird things everyone wants to be close to home yeah. but really i think the best thing you can do is boom go somewhere yeah. else be somewhere new i mean the the best time I had in the military was when I was in Meaford, uh, with you under you was, uh, it was so enlightening having never worked with anybody really from the East coast before. So yeah, yeah I, I hear you though, going like, where do you want to go? I want to be close to home. That makes so sense. Right. All your friends, your family, he's there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then after you leave, you realize that you're never really going to ever go back home. Yeah. You know, the East coast was New Brunswick. And that was as, as close as I can get it in the, uh, the Royal Canadian Regiment, unless you took a you know a posting with reserve unit, or right. something like that. So, so when they were talking East Coast, I, you know, in my mind that was going back to Cape Breton, but it really wasn't. It was getting as close to East Coast as you could, and um, for me it was Petawawa. 
Well, that's that's not really close at all. But not at all. Not at all. Close, that's closer, right. closer than Shiloh. Closer than Edmonton, yeah. right? That's sure. uh, yeah. That's better. But wait, ninety four. Um, would the Patricia still been in Calgary at that point in time? Um, or they I'm they went sure. over in ninety two or went up yeah. in ninety two, something like that. Yeah, I think they went just before that. So anyway. Uh, yeah, so, so, so you, uh, you show up in Petawawa, brand new private yeah, audio. Get out of Cornwallis. I uh, graduated on a Friday night in Cornwallis. I was on a bus Saturday morning for, uh, you know, for Ottawa. And um, right up to Petawawa, we went and started battle school on uh, the Monday. And, you know, once again, nothing better than a big fire hose of, uh, of inspiration and yeah, whatever you want to call it coming at you. And, uh, yeah, so battle school and... Uh, finished up and ended up posted to the 1st Battalion, the Royal Canadian Regiment in Petawawa. And that's where it all began for my, for myself. And uh, there wasn't a lot going on. It was, it was the nineties where we were in a pay freeze. Uh, there wasn't a lot of training. We didn't have the best of kits. So they were some, some interesting times and, and just like every soldier I wanted to deploy. Right. And so, yeah, so uh, my first opportunity was in 1998. Um, we deployed over to Bosnia, um, over with Charles company. As uh, I believe I was an ABGP driver. I'm kind of dating myself a little bit now because it's that's at the front gate of uh, most of the bases now as a museum piece. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't even heard of the ABGP in years. But, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's funny. Most of the vehicles I've, I've learned on are parked at front gates. <laughs> well, I guess what, when you got in in the 90s, that would have been, they would have been what, 30, 30 years yeah. old at that point in time? So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, near yeah. there. We have a we have a ferret at um, what's the R, and every so often we'll have one random guy who's like qualified on the ferret from thirty years ago, and we'll use it for change command parades and all kinds of stuff. And it, it is kind of hilarious because everyone looks at it like, what what the hell? What like, <laughs> what is that vehicle? Yeah. <laughs> and I told a bunch of privates that was or a bunch of sappers at the unit when they first showed up and they were all like what is this and i'm like this is the coolest vehicle you'll ever look at because it's got four gears forward and four gears reverse <laughs> and you can just you can bomb down the street straight up stop dead turn around and not even have to turn around just and rip it back and uh they're all like that seems dangerous and i was like oh yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> But that would take the fun out of it if it wasn't dangerous. <laughs> exactly. But I was thinking, like, when these things are made, it's, what, 1970-something? And yeah. they're like, safety? Yeah. <laughs> Who needs that? <laughs> Screw that noise. Yeah. So, okay, so you go to Bosnia. How was that? That was a, that was a you know, I, I think it was, you know, them days of Bosnia were a great, great starter to your career. I think it's, um, to get out there, it was, um, it was pretty quiet in Bosnia when I was there in 98. It was, uh, there was, uh, my dogs are barking now. Somebody walked in. <laughs> So yeah, so the uh, it was quiet. We we did lots of patrols, but you could also um, get on your bike and head downstairs and go downtown for a bike ride and stop yeah. at a cafe. So so life was pretty good. It was quiet. It was not a lot going on. Um, we had a riot, um, and that was probably the most entertaining part of the tour. Um, very fulfilling tour though, like being able to get out with the with the the local popula population and you know chat um you know have a hay box lunch with or something and so very very uh you know fulfilling tour i think it was nice to get out and see all that stuff and uh had a great time um it's a seven month tour um come back 
and uh, that was in 1998. So uh, we got back and literally uh, Kosovo was firing up and uh, we were told on a parade, I think we were only back maybe uh, five months and we're like, hey, hey, you guys are not going to Kosovo, don't worry. I think three months after that, we we're on a flight going to Kosovo. So, so yeah, so I right back in 1998, got to deploy to Kosovo. Uh, but this time I went with Recce Platoon. That was my, yeah, it was my introduction into, into Recce. And I think, uh, you know, that really paved that tour and that, that group of people really paved my path for me in the, uh, um, in the RCR with, with Recce Platoon and, and, you know, trying to find some high speed. So yeah, I went to Kosovo with Recce and, uh, you know, we were doing some pretty cool stuff. Uh, got to work in small groups. Um, yeah, great experience. Uh, another fulfilling tour. Um, got to pull some snowmobiles out and go up in the mountains, uh, you know, and, and visit some some local people in the villages and stuff. And it'd be amazing. They see you coming out of a snowmobile and they'd be like, oh my God, what is that? <laughs> Just shocked. <laughs> you know? Yeah, Those so- snowmobiles are awesome. They're, they're horrible. Like the ones we have in the military are horrible. Horrible. But they're so much fun. I, yeah. I got to do my, uh, I got to do the course um, out in Trail BC on the, uh, I'm trying to remember what they're actually called now. Um, anyway, doesn't matter the acronym names, but uh, we started with like, I think we had 25 or 26 of those snowmobiles. Yeah. And by the end of the five day course, we had three. Yeah. We just, we beat the shit out of them. <laughs> we yeah. had like broken steering columns we were losing tracks left and center skis were flying off as we were rolling like it was just it was crazy but they're they're i could imagine in having never experienced anything like that before and living up in the mountains somewhere and then all you suddenly hear this and a bunch of soldiers come over the hill <laughs> and some cape writer jumps off a snowmobile yeah. and everybody's yeah. looking at me like who is this guy what language is he speaking right yeah that's yeah. fantastic yeah, so uh, that was another great tour. And um, when I came back from that tour, I, uh, I got posted immediately to um, the 2nd Battalion down in New Brunswick. So I, um, I come back from tour, I think, uh, I want to say maybe a month or two later, I was uh, showing up in Gagetown, New Brunswick, and uh, kicking off with the 2nd Battalion. I showed up at the perfect time. There was a, a unique up, uh, tour going on. It was only a, um, a company group plus a recce between. Um, and they were getting ready to go to Africa to Ethiopia and Eritrea. Hmm. And, um, so yeah, I, I showed up, I had all the qualifications for, uh, I was a recce patrolman. Um, we had the new coyote at the time. Um, so I was a driver, I was a gunner, I had the surveillance package. So it was kind of a no brainer. They, yeah, go clear in the recce platoon. And, you know, I, I walked in and they, they said, Hey, we're deploying to Africa. Um, I'm like, Hey, I never took my tour leave yet. And, Literally took my tour leave, uh, come back, put a gun in a bag, and I left for Africa. Yeah, so that was my uh, welcome to tours here. And uh, uh, once again, another uh, interesting tour. It was under the UN, so we were Blue Beret. Um, different, different type of tour altogether. We were, uh, we were attached to the Dutch, which was, was nice at some points. And um, yeah, very, very uh, unique tour. Quiet, once again, no... You know, there was the threat level was pretty low. I think both sides wanted to, uh, they were okay to stop fighting. So made for a pretty quiet tour for us. And um, yeah, I got the, got the, get my introduction into two RCR recce platoon pretty quick and meet a lot of fantastic, amazing people too. So now this brings you to like 99? That's 99. Yeah. yeah. So you've been, you've been in the military for five years and you're at three tours. Yeah. Yeah. In so the yeah, 90s. Yeah. That was, uh, <laughs> 
Yeah, so that tour would have been, sorry, actually, that would have been 2000 because I was in Kosovo. Okay. Yeah, so it was 98 Bosnia, 99 Kosovo, 2000 uh, Africa. That's, that's insane. For yeah. the average soldier, you're looking at one tour, maybe, well, at least when I was in, so in the early 2000s, you're looking, uh, you know, you might get one in three or four years. Yeah, yeah. But to get I, three right off, like back to back to back, that's that's yeah. insane. Yeah, it was good. And, uh, you know, it was it was my time. I think it was, I'm glad I did the tours younger as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before I got married and kids came along and, and stuff like that. So it, it was nice to do those those tours and uh, very fulfilling tours. Okay, so then, you know, September 11th happens and we start ramping up for Afghanistan. Everyone's like, this is 2001, shit's going down. Yeah. 2002 or were you looking at roto zero or are you going in roto one i don't remember who i think the pickleys went in first right the patricians i believe yes uh i was still with two rcr still in recce platoon and um uh, we weren't on the block to deploy um we did some pretty cool training um i think at one point they had us as the group that were going to go to iraq if we were going to go to iraq um so we were just kind of you know sitting back waiting for our turn we really didn't know when when a warning order would come, but uh, for us, it didn't happen until we deployed on uh, uh, Task Force 107. So, but in 2007, before I deployed again, so wow. from 2000, 2001 um, to 2007 with no deployments. So it was, it was pretty quiet, especially when, you know, something like Afghanistan was going on. Um, you know, you were, you're sitting on a bench, you want to get up and bat, right? Yeah, I remember uh, sitting in training in, I joined, I first signed up in 03 and then I had to wait 18 months due to some proclivities I had when I was a kid. And then, uh, uh, and so I signed back up in 2005 and, and it literally through all the stages of the training, this is, um, I did basic in January. I started basic January of 06. Yep. So by the time I was finished basic task force 106 was on the ground and they were fighting in Kandahar. We were, you know, there were casualties coming in and this was yeah. like our, our daily updates through our training. They were like, wow. this is what you're getting into, get ready for it. And so we were, all of 2006 was my training period. I got to 1CR in 2000, in October of 06. Yeah. And we started our work up January of 07. Isn't that crazy? And like, it was like, it, we were like, we're going. Let's, yeah, let's, let's hit the road running. And, and uh, you're right. Every single one of us was sitting in the training, but not even qualified yet going, let's go. Like, just put me there. I'll learn on the fly. Like, <laughs> let's get, let's get in it. It's yeah. a, it's an interesting mentality that we have that we're yeah. looking for a fight. You know, in, in our recce between the two RCR, we were preparing to go 107. Um, we literally had um, the NCOs to fill our between. We had no, no troops at the time. Um, and literally our recce between for their privates and corporals, they were leafered in battle school and they literally graduated battle school came to the second battalion. Um, they didn't even have their kit yet. CMTT hasn't even shipped their kit to Gate Town. On Monday morning, they kicked off with a basic recce course because they were deploying in Afghanistan with recce between. Like, yeah, and I, I couldn't even imagine what was going through some of their heads at the time, you know, walking in the doors and going, well, I, and now I'm going on one of the, the harder courses in a battalion. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we needed to pick 16 people. We took the whole battle school course. We put, I think there was like 26 of them, I want to say, on the course. And and, you know, we took her, we took her crew from there, you know, with a little bit of a harder course and, you know, a little bit of a selection for the platoon in there as well. 
but it was it was nice you know fresh right out of training and these guys yeah. were they just wanted to learn right no no bad habits they were just ready to go and and they they definitely proved themselves you know so so that was our first deployment and and that was uh, 107 so afghanistan was a that was definitely a change of pace going from bosnia kosovo africa days to now i'm in wrecking tune and i'm deployed in a dangerous place in, in the earth yeah. and straight kinetic ops and you're going to town insane insane yeah. you know and and we we were you know we weren't even done our, our handover um which was another amazing experience for me because it was one rcr wrecking team we did our handover with and now i'm with two rcr wrecking teams so i got to know all i knew all the guys it was a yeah. great great time great handover it was like old days um but we dropped them off and uh i think we're on day seven so we dropped them off they were going home and and we were in contact two hours later in Kandahar city um, with a vehicle, you know, down the brakes are dynamited, the engine's gone, the guns down and RPGs are hanging out the side. And, and I think that was, you know, they probably didn't even take off from Kandahar airfield yet. And that was our welcome to uh, welcome to Afghanistan. Right. And it definitely, yep. I, I don't want to say that it was, I'm glad that happened early in the tour, but it definitely woke us all up. I think right off the bat in the tour and, and yeah. set us up for success for the rest of the that tour. puts you right in the mindset right like this is yeah. this isn't what we're used to this isn't uh yeah. we, we can't just drive down the road and go to town anymore we can't go get beers with the locals yeah, it's yeah. uh yeah i can't jump on a pedal bike and go for a ride on a friday night you know I, you're you're in a dangerous place and there's bad people yep my uh my first op i think i had been in country for about four days and we had to go up north to go save some green berets like way up in northern uh, Kandahar, and I like brand new, no idea what's happening, and I'm in front of an entire battle group clearing the road. Wow. <laughs> just my section is le- point, and we're just marching up VPS, and we're like, "Oh yeah, this is this is it right here." Wow! And uh, we found a we found a couple IEDs on the road up there, and so that like this is my welcome to Afghanistan, boys. <laughs> we're like, okay, let's hit it. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's great that it happens right away, because yes. you're you're not thinking like, oh well, maybe we can make it out of this. And when we showed up, my sergeant was like, not a question of if we get blown up, mm-hmm. just a question of when, because really, we're gonna be in front all the time. See what happens, right? Yeah. Like, there's no way we're gonna not find one the bad way, <laughs> and, yeah. Yeah, and we did. Sure. But we got lucky. We hit something small, but that's uh that's here or there so you come back from 07 that would make you what a sergeant at this point uh yeah i was a sergeant so i back in 07 oh i was a mass corporal and then okay. i um yeah i got pr- promoted soon after tour i came back and and uh got caught up in some career courses and um you know went back to training um got my advanced reconnaissance um some different different qualifications and then um in 2010 um, I was, I got called up in the chief's office, right. And, you know, when the chief of the battalion calls you up, it's usually my experience, not always a good thing. So. Yeah. You're not, that's not a good day. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, what'd I do this time? Right. And, uh, I was, I was asked if I wanted to deploy again to, um, to Afghanistan, but this time with, um, um, nine or nine attack as part of their, their tactical crew. Um, you know, it was a, it was a year long deployment, just, just shy of a year by a couple of days. Um, you know, I had to get posting to Petawawa. Um, and yeah, big, big shakeup for not only myself, but my family as well. I'm married at that point. I got, you know, um, 
three, three kids that are small still. And so anyway, um, uh, you know, I went home, chatted with the wife and of course, you know, come back and say, yeah, man, I'm, I'm going for sure. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things. And so, yeah, I come, come back and I said, oh, I'm going. And I, that was a Friday and uh, Monday morning, I got a posting message. So I'm like, wait a second, I still got to sell my house. I got a, I got a family to move. So, uh, so I left my IR to put a wall for, uh, probably about three months, I guess. And, um, you know, my wife sold the house in New Brunswick on her own. She came up and did a um, house on trip, which I got to meet up with her in Petawawa when she came. Um, I was in training at the time to, to get ready to deploy and uh, bought a house. You know, she moved everything up, um, got settled. And uh, yeah, I was gone a couple months later. And yeah, another uh, amazing deployment. Um, I was a sergeant at the time, um, a long deployment, very, very long. Um, but uh, amazing, like uh, working at a, a higher level, headquarters level like that, and um, but still being out on the ground, you know, going out and doing patrols, you know, meeting up with groups, um, still giving you that, you know, that feeling of you're still an infantry guy, but um, but getting to see everybody else, you know, all the business around you and seeing what all the puzzles coming together too, I guess, seeing what everybody's doing out in the, in the battle space, right? So it's uh, definitely fun, definitely fun yeah. tour. I credit my, um, my knowledge of how the unit works with yeah. being put in the intelligence cell. Like when mm. I got back from tour, I got put right into the incel. And well, I got, I was made a clerk for a little while. I had a troop clerk. So I got to learn all the admin stuff, which was actually really helpful. And then within like two or three months, I was the incel. And so now all of a sudden I'm working in our HQ with directly for the CO and the RSM. I'm briefing all the Sergeant majors and the, uh, and the majors and above, like it's, <clears throat> it put me as a junior corporal, I'm all of a sudden working at the top and you start to understand how the decisions are made and why the decisions are made and what our calendar looks like. And there was lots of times where I'd look at the, the schedule board in the ops and training room. Right. And you just see huge blocks of time. It's like the whole year is just blocked off, blocked off, blocked off, blocked off. And yet the boys are down in the bay sitting around doing fucking nothing going, what the hell? And yeah. all everybody from Sergeant above is like, we're so busy. Oh my God, we have no, we have no time, yeah. but it's higher level ops. Yeah. And so yeah. once I understood that, I was able to uh, kind of alleviate some of the pressure on the boys once I got back into the, the uh, squadrons. But, yeah. but it's true, you know, it's just being at that higher level of an operation or operational level, you learn so much. And it, it sets you up for success later on in your career Yeah, that uh, if you can take it, that's the other part. Like sure. you gotta be, you gotta be able to, to deal yeah. with the politics and the bullshit and all the other stuff that goes on there at that level, because it is not easy. Not easy at all. No, no. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So now we, I, that was think, a year long tour in there. Yeah. So I come back. So I deployed for a year. I got two, two vacation times. I went to HLTA. So mm-hmm. uh, my family went to Australia yeah. and, Come back nice. home and stuff and it was nice um it was it was long though and yeah very very long deployment and you know um i don't think it's something that i would i would do again if i was still serving you know yeah um yeah i come back from 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 that deployment and uh that would have been my that was my last deployment come back in uh 2012 we come back uh, we were the last group in kandahar um moved up to kabul after that so we were the last group um, I want to say we were the last vehicle that drove through the uh, the gate um, as a Canadian vehicle. I would say I'm pretty sure we were because uh, we had the tent mountain division underneath us as well. So they were staying. We we went out for a visit um, 
so I think we might have been one of the last Canadian vehicles to roll through, you know, so pretty, pretty emotional day, I think, you know, no doubt. You know, when you roll back into camp that day, knowing that 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 whole chapter is closing and, you know, you, you think back of all these amazing people that, um, you know, uh, lost their license service. Um, and yeah, it gets, it's, it was pretty emotional day. Um, so I came back from deployment and um, God, 2012 and, and I got, I went back to New Brunswick to do my, um, my warrant officers course and uh, completed that, got promoted right away um, and posted right away. <laughs> so I uh, back to the for sale sign on a lawn and uh, I was supposed to go to Whitehorse uh, right up to the last minute. And then they closed down Whitehorse, uh, the little section up there that they were working out of closed down. So I posted to Meaford. Nice. Wasn't really sure about posting to Meaford. I'm like, I don't know about this, you know, I didn't know Meaford. I've never been to Meaford. Um, but now I could say it was probably one of my better postings I've ever had. Um, I enjoyed Meaford, definitely enjoyed Meaford. Um, I said the same thing. It was, it, it ended my career on a high note, right? Like I, I enjoyed being there so much and it was, I think it's more along lines of how the army should work. Yeah. Right. There was a lot of respect. There was no competition. There was no politics. The, the, the CO and the RSM worked really well together and they were all about just like, <laughs> get the work done. Right. It, whatever it takes, you get the work done. We're happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> was all, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, like me for, for me was, I had so many different roles. I, you know, I started off on the floor running courses, um, where my heart was. I love that. I, I love developing and mentoring young soldiers, right. Like the passion of my career. Um, so that was, that was a great time. Um, I moved over to ops. Um, once again, great learning. I'm not going to say a great time because I'm not really about sitting on a computer, you know, <laughs> doing ops work. But uh, what was, the in the infantier who's know, used yeah. to being at the front of the spear yeah. and recce is I not like liking computers. computers. <laughs> <laughs> like, so ops was a great experience. Uh, lots of learning. Um, uh, then I got moved over to the uh, the CQ, um, and uh, I, you know, I locked out with that position really because it's a uh, you know, usually go back to your unit to do your CQ and this one was open and I, I slid into the, into the unit, um, right in Meaford and, um, finished up that stand and half why I was at CQ ended up, uh, you know, moving over to being the Sergeant Major of the company. Um, the Sergeant Major at the time was, uh, um, he moved on. So the position was available and they, they I filled the position and that was probably the highlight of my career. Like finishing off, you know, the company Sergeant Major was probably the, the highlight by far like uh being able to just still go in the troop in the field with the troops you know just pop out for a visit and and get to see them doing stuff you know made my day and uh not sitting behind a desk but getting to get out with the troops right so yeah that was definitely the highlight of my career and uh and that's where she finished off man i uh i retired on october 29th um of this year um i medically released but um you know almost 27 years uh had an amazing time um loved every minute of it um, and yeah, I, I am very blessed for going through a career in the military for sure. It's a, uh, it's a lifestyle, you know, it, it is yeah. not, it's not an easy life, but if you're, if you'd like being challenged, it's, it, it's a good life to live because uh, yeah. it will challenge you every day, all day long, even if it's challenging your ego, if it's challenging your, uh, your patience, it's challenging your, uh, your ability to um, handle stress. Like it's just, there's so many great things about it, but so yeah, sure. 
27 years out and now what, what are you doing now? Well, um, you know, so I, I transitioned out and I, I was at the transition center for a while. I, I, uh, I want to say over, over three years ago, like I was there for a while. I was uh, a little bit of a complex case. Um, I, I was diagnosed with PTSD at, at the beginning. Um, and then, but I knew there was something else. There was something else that was going on with me. So um, um, sure enough, I had a TBI. So I had a, you know, that low blood flow in the left temporal area of the brain. And that was causing a lot of my issues, my, you know, balance my coordination and all that stuff so i had over three and a half years to plan you know for my release so i was very lucky in that aspect um got myself where i needed to be um and set myself up for success i think you know within my community um, um i joined a local boxing club um, shipyards boxing and um worked my way up through all my coaching courses um and and now i, I coach there as a volunteer at the club um and that's, that's my passion. And that's what I'm doing now is, is fitness and boxing, um, you know, doing the things with my family, my kids that I, uh, that I didn't get to do for a long time. And um, yeah, and just transitioning into being a, you know, just an average show on the street here. Yeah. Well, you'll never be an average show. You know, I tell, <laughs> I tell everybody that gets out there, they're always like, Oh, I'm going to get back into civil life and how to be, you know, got to learn how to be a civilian again. And it's not, it's not true. You yeah. are, hundred percent a veteran yeah. period. And it's the only title that no one can take from you, right? You, yeah, sure. you straight up earned it. Yeah. No one can take it away from you. And it is a, um, it is something to hold on to too, because a lot of guys, they have an issue with looking at their past selves of being a soldier. Yeah. And then they look at themselves now as a civilian in air quotes here, but um, it's not, correct right you don't yeah. become a civilian once you're out you just become a veteran and yeah, sure. it's very important to remember i was one of i always harp on that yeah. so you were you touched on your transition a little bit here um and you know meford was great for this because i had the similar transition when i got out was there was a va staff in meford in one of the buildings there that like their only job was to look after the people getting out. And there weren't a lot of people getting out for me for either. So no. I, I had like 100% attention. They gave me every piece of uh, paperwork I could possibly fill out <laughs> within the two months man I had left. And I, sp I just spent hours there signing my name on application, application, application. They're just like, we're going to apply for everything. And they're going to either turn it down or they're going to approve it. And we'll see where the dice roll out. And I was like, oh, yeah, all right, cool. Sounds yeah. good. So you were saying your transition was similar, but you had, you had a lot more time. A lot, yeah. A lot longer time. I mean, me, me for the transition unit there is amazing. Anyway, the, the people that have their, you know, and soldier on Jamie, Jamie's there, he's amazing. You know, um, Jackie, uh, amazing again. Um, Larissa and like everybody that's there, Charles, Greg, all them guys, they're, they're there and they're, that's their passion, right? They, they, they are there to, to help and, you know, so very lucky to be in me for where it's a small group. Um, I think at the high time when I was, you know, in my free years there was, um, I think we might've had 12 people. Like, so it's a small group in that transition center, not like Petawawa or New Brunswick or something like that, right? They have a lot of people there. Um, so yeah, I got to, I got to take, take full advantage of um, all the tools that I needed. Um, speaking with the Veterans Affairs lady, um, CISA up and, and everybody. So my transition went really smooth. But I will say one thing is, is you need to own that transition. And if you're not willing to own, own the transition and, you know, do the steps that are required, then you won't be successful because all those people that are there to support you, 
I think the key word is support. And um, a lot of people think, you know, I'm, I'm getting out, somebody's going to do it all for me. Nope, nobody's doing it for you. And, and when you, when, you know, on, on D minus one, nobody's doing it for you. And you need nope. to, you need to be involved and you, you, you got to own it. And yeah. Well, I was going to ask you what your one tidbit of information for somebody trying to transition out, but I guess that pretty much sums it up. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to own it. I'd say it, and as well is is get fit. Um, and I, when I mean that is, it's not just fitness, like going and running and working out. Fitness, um, mental fitness. Um, you know, if you're a smoker, take advantage of that transition period. Um, all these amazing resources they have. You know, go go. You know, get healthy. Um, don't quit smoking if you can you chewing you know that was one of my things for a long time mm -hmm. and uh you know go go see a dietitian we have those and all these resources that we have through psp and 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 so be it and and get yourself ready ready to be a healthy you know that way you know when you finish up on a friday and monday morning like the way the truck transition is supposed to be you start school you get your two year you know two years worth of schooling well then two years could be successful i think if you you know you owned it and got yourself fit and ready to, to walk out that door, you know? Well, you, you know, the one thing I learned in advocacy work and doing with uh, the walk veterans and all this other stuff is that no one can help you, but you, right? Like people can help in terms of like, they can offer support. And they, as you said, they can support you, but they can't actually make you do the work. You still have to do the work. You have to actually go to the meetings. You have to actually be willing to change or be willing to adjust or be willing to, you know, and the, it's kind of hilarious because we always say adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome, adapt and overcome. And then people get out of the military and they're like, I'm not changing for shit. <laughs> it's <just> like, <laughs> this is goes completely against what everything we, uh, we train for, but you know, and we were talking yesterday and I don't know how many people I've seen get out and then they just they're like oh i figured someone would send something to me or i figured i would get like people would tell me where to go or what to do and it's like you're you're not in the army anymore man you have to actually be the one to you have to be and the other part was we were talking about that uh was like when you do your medical you have to be advocating for yourself you have for to yourself, be man. you have to talk to the doctor and not give a shit like <laughs> when he yeah. says he says no 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 you're fine we don't have any paperwork on it's like no 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 yeah. I want this on paper and I yeah. want it right now. Do it right here. Sign your fucking name on it. And yeah. Yeah. it's, it's hard for a lot of guys because we is, yeah. like mentally, we have this state of mind where that guy's told me to do something. Yeah. Roger that. Off you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a, I had a guy in me for to get out and, and, you know, he's out now. He was out at the time about two or three months and I got, I'm not receiving my pension. Yeah. Well, you're not going to receive it if you don't fill out the pension package. Like that's it's pretty cut and dry, right? So, yeah. if you're sitting waiting for someone to do that, that's probably sitting in a top file cabinet waiting for you to come back and fill it out, right? So you need yeah. you need to you need to do it, and you need to advocate for your advocate for yourself, right? It, it's not it's not fun, but it is something that needs to be done. And yeah, you know, I again I I learned that very early on, and what I think it was actually when I was working for you at one point, I can't remember what it was uh you you signed off for something and you're like yeah this is fine no problem and i'm just like are you allowed to do that and you're like i don't fucking care man i'm a ward it takes a general to charge me <laughs> <laughs> it was just the the give a fuck factor on that was it was unbelievable like you yeah. just it, there was no oh, i'm good man you do it and yeah. that's the kind of attitude you need to go into your transition with is 100%. i don't care fucking do it right 
Yeah. And it's not just for you, it's your family as well, right? So you, if you don't do that, you, you still have a family that's behind you who's still counting on you to, you know, support and do all your, you know, your, your, your duties as a, as a parent. And, and you can't do that if you don't have, you know, any resources to do it with like a paycheck, yeah. do that, you know? So it's definitely advocating for yourself and getting that. And, and the army will fucking run you over. They don't give that. Like we, again, we were talking about this the other day is it, it's the machine right the machine will keep fucking moving and if you don't get your shit ready they will throw you out the back <laughs> and you will yeah. not like the landing right yeah yeah but and, and no can... fault on their own it's just that big machine that goes right and it's and you know you, you don't get that moment you know to get yourself ready you might miss that moment pretty quick and then and realize yeah. that six months too late <laughs> yep and I mean, we've all been on the back of MLs and we've all been rolling around on six buys and you, you can get tossed out of those things pretty easy. If you're not sitting properly, if you're not, yeah. uh, you know, the guy next to you actually has you pressured into the door, yeah. those latches can come off if they're not put on yeah. right. And it's the, the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You're like, if you don't have that, bye, <laughs> you're going yeah. out. And yeah, it's awesome. the same thing with transition. If you aren't doing the paperwork, if you aren't doing the work, you will get tossed out the door on your release date and no one is stopping you, right? That's bye-bye. That's it, right? Yeah. So this, you know, it leads into what we want to talk about. And you put a post out um, on social media. I can't remember when you months back and you were talking about the truck and yeah. it, it keyed in my head because that was always a fear for like everybody that I know that went through training, the truck was the, Oh shit. I don't yeah. want to be on that fucking truck. So for anybody that doesn't know, can you explain to everybody what the truck is? Yeah. So, so the truck, you know, uh, the truck can be pretty much anything, but for myself, it, it was literally a truck. So this, every time you do a March, um, you know, you're, you're doing long distance, or whatever. You always have that safety vehicle that, that follows behind. Um, and sometimes a front and we used to call it the man eating truck. And, uh, you know, the sergeants and, and the mass corporals would be, you know, going up and down around the platoon and who wants to get on the truck? And it's all about pride, right? It's like, I'm not getting on that truck. I'm not getting on that truck. But that truck is, is, is failure. That truck is, you know, it, it's where I do not want to be. It's, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's that place. It's a man eating truck. Right. And, and to watch people, you know, knowing that vehicles behind them or in front of them um, here, them people yelling, you know, who wants to get on a truck? Um, they get mentally defeated and they get on the truck. It's, you know, do you want to walk the extra, you know, eight kilometers, nine kilometers, or do you just want to sit on the back of that truck? And sometimes when the truck had a few people on it, they would pull it around the front and just so you could see everybody in the truck. <laughs> Once again, I'm not getting in the truck and you're, you yeah. know, the head would be up, you know, the, you're digging in the heels and you're pushing along and, and for me, that was, it was quitting. And, you know, I use that analogy because, you know, going through um, transition, going through everything, I don't, I don't want to fail. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get on that truck. Like no matter what, I'm not getting on that truck. I'm going to push forward. I'm going to every day get up, you know, get ready, you know, go out and do my PT, you know, go coach my boxing, do what I got to do, but I'm not going to get on the truck. Right. And and that truck, it can be so many things and you relate it to being a, a civilian or something like that. that it's all about failure, right? That's what the truck is. It's, uh, it's making sure you have the power not to get on. on yeah. that truck, right? I, I look at it as absolute failure because yeah. 
you know, the, the truck is there for a reason, right? Like it is a safety vehicle, yeah. technically. So like if you were to get hurt, you would get put on the truck for sure. brought forward, right? Um, but in the, the more mythical sense, I guess, or the sim, symbol, symbol, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> the, uh, the, the idea of it, right, is that it is absolute failure. You have totally given up. Yeah. And you're like the, you're not even going to worry about the, the idea anymore. It's just done. Okay. And I, I, you're, you're, it was such a, uh, a poignant idea that when I read it, I was like, that is so accurate to life because yeah. you can, you can have this grand idea. You know, I want to open a business. I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this. And then you can try and fail and then stop that's getting on the truck, right? You're just yeah. didn't work the first time. I'm done. Fuck this noise. I'm out. Yeah. Or you can readjust, figure it out and carry on same way. Like if you're marching along in front of that truck and you start to get shin splints, they hurt, right? Yeah. <laughs> you can yeah. either, you can dig in for the grind and be like, this is going to suck, but I'm not getting on that truck. Not yet. Or you can, you know, limp for a while or change your stride or do whatever you need to do to keep moving. Or you can just stop. Yeah. And you're going to that truck, right? And it is a um it's the easy way out, right? It is the easy way out. Yep. That's exactly it's the easy it. way out, right? I can this could be a 16 kilometer march. Um, or this could be four years in university, or I just drop out and get on the truck. Yep. You know, it's 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 that truck represents everything in life. It's it's where you do not want to be. And you know, setting yourself up for success. And uh you, you mentioned it there you know, as uh combat arms guys getting out as veterans you know the first thing we want to do is oh got to get a new career yeah <laughs> monday morning like no you don't you don't you need to slow down and and get yourself back on the tracks right and and set yourself up for success so you don't you don't get on that truck <laughs> yeah. well and that's the thing like we don't just well i mean sometimes this happens but you don't normally just like show up monday morning and they'll be like okay everybody we're gonna go for a 30k march yeah that doesn't happen right <laughs> nor it's there's a build-up to it there's yeah. you know we're gonna go for a 10k march tomorrow everybody be ready show up with this kit and this gear blah blah blah. your ruction wave blah yeah. so there, there's a build-up to it and i don't think we do that in, enough in transition work where guys get out and they're just like okay i need to work i need to yeah. work where's where's the next job what do i need to do yeah. and then they burn themselves into the ground right like it just they, they work themselves to death they work themselves to failure or they won't admit that they have mental health issues or maybe they are admitting it they're just not doing the right work or they're not seeing the right doctor and yeah. i mean i saw the first psychologist I saw when i got out was horrible for me at least like yeah. i just it was not the right guy for me to see and he made me worse every week for a year and it wasn't until i was talking to another buddy of mine and he was like you know you can actually just see whoever you want right <laughs> it's like what oh what? okay <laughs> cool let me yeah. uh let me go look some up and so that's yeah. where uh i i saw really massive growth or uh yeah. betterment in terms of my own mental health was because i was seeing somebody that worked for me but i would never have gotten there yeah had i not been willing to actually like okay this isn't working Right. Yeah. And recognizing that it wasn't working for me. And some guys will just, they'll keep going and they'll keep yeah. going and they'll keep going. And then they just run themselves into a wall. Mm -hmm. And then that truck runs them over. <laughs> so and, and that truck, right. And, and, and you know what, you know, that truck for myself as well, it, it's a huge visualization tool, right? It's, 
I, you know, I, uh, you know, it's, it's weird because we talk about this in the military, about resiliency training and visualization, you know, breathing and, mm-hmm. and you know, talking like that positive self-talk. And, and now I look at those and, you know, visualization is huge for me myself, you know, um, um, a few years back, I ran the Washington marathon and, uh, with the, the, uh, the Marine Corps marathon and, um, visualization got me through that marathon. Like yeah. if it wasn't for, for that tool, you know, knowing that this bridge is at five kilometers, you know, and, and going you through it in my head, you know, there's two more big turns. I'm going to hit an aid station. And, and, but that, that's, that's what life is after transition is, is, is planning and setting yourself up for success and visualizing like for myself, when I'm doing my fitness, I, I'm visualizing that, that truck, you know, I'm thinking like, and if I don't do this stuff, I'm not going to be healthy. If I'm not healthy, I can't go on to a, you know, a, a second career or, or, you know, whatever it is I'm going to do in the next, you know, 20 years of, of, uh, you know, being able to walk probably <laughs> all the yeah. injuries, but, but, uh, yeah. But the, you know, the, you bring up an interesting point there is that <clears throat> it's, it's not, it, it's you who's driving the truck, right? Yeah. You're the, you're the one that's setting the goals. You're the one that's setting how fast that truck is coming after you or not yeah. coming after you or whatever. Like it is again, solely in your, uh, it is in your wheelhouse to actually, figure out where you're going to go because your, your truck and my truck are not the same, right? Not like I, I'm, I'm not running marathons. Nope. Not happening. I have no desire to, right? It's not <laughs> something that I really want to do. Um, but I'll roll jujitsu all day, right? Like, yeah. I, and I will, I will, I will not let up because that's what I enjoy, but yeah. I also enjoy podcasting. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy being, um, you know, doing stuff for the walk and helping my brothers and blah, blah, blah. So my truck is, pointed in a different direction yeah. it's not it's not going as fast as yours is right now because you're you're running yeah. away from it yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again you know the thing is like you you have to realize that it's it's still you it's, yeah it's not somebody else that's driving the truck no one else is trying to run you over so you're setting the pace yeah and if you need goal. time you know set a slider goal or a a, a goal that's manageable mm-hmm. and then slow the truck down a little bit, give yourself that time. And my psychologist always says, calls it uh, giving yourself grace or being gracious in that, in how you heal. Yeah. And I've had to learn that with, I don't know, like everything pain, um, especially that was the big one where, um, you know, I'm an engineer. I like to do things the hard way. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I know. Right. Uh, and I was, there was a point in time where I was in a lot of pain when the, the weather was shifting fall and spring are really hard because <clears throat> as it gets colder and the pressure drops, you know, yeah. on a human barometer, right? Everything starts to ache and just, it's yeah. so painful. And I wasn't boosting my meds <clears throat> in order to manage that pain. I was just like, I'll fuck, I'll just deal with it. But it yeah. turned me into an asshole, right? Like I couldn't deal with my kids. I could barely deal with my wife. I didn't want to deal with um, the walk or doing videos or like all this other shit. And all it would have taken was me to go, okay, you know what? I'm in more pain. I can take uh, a little bit extra meds to manage that pain and not be, you know, a drug addict, right? <laughs> but sure. that's in my head, That's that was... It was one or the other. I'm either taking it just manageable or I'm a fucking drug addict. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yeah. It, it is a, it's something that you have to learn and you have to be willing to learn it. That's the other part is like that you are still driving. 
yeah. <laughs> and, and, and you can control that truck. Yeah. And you know what? You're, you're the fuel. Yeah. That truck doesn't go nowhere. What about you? You're fueling that truck. And, and, you know, take, taking, you know, like you're saying goal setting and giving yourself, you know, goals that are achievable and, you know, getting out on a Friday and thinking you're going to be the CEO of Canadian Tire on Monday is not, it's not achievable, right? If, yeah. Un, unless you're, you know, you're married into the family or something, but, you know, being, you know, making yourself them clear goals and taking your time. Um, and it's your pace. Yeah. You know, you know we, we used to do the same thing though, which is, this is always so surprising. We have all these tools yeah. and we just need to learn how to apply them in the right direction. And, you know, even in recce, yeah. basic reconnaissance patrol, right? You come yeah. up with three COAs. The reason you have three COAs is that shit happens, right? And yeah. You need to be able to shift and adjust and go down this route instead of that route. Or, um, and then on top of that, you're, you have checkpoints. You're not, you're not just going, okay, I'm going to go from here to there. Cool. Yeah. Everybody good. Roger, let's go. Like, let's go. <laughs> no, you have, okay, I'm going to hit this, uh, this report line, I'm going to hit that report line, I'm going to hit this yep. report line, and then I'm going to be at my objective. And then I'm going to let everybody know that I'm at my objective, and then I'm going to come back, blah, 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 right? Yep. Communication is huge. The, um, and that's all stuff we learned. That's all yep. stuff that we've been taught. Yep. We can just do it. We just need to apply it to our lives and go, okay, well, the objective is I want to be a happy, healthful, helpful, useful part of society, right? That's a huge goal. Yeah. How do you get there? break it down as a smaller parts. Okay. I need to get healthy. I need to get physically, uh, you know, if I have injuries, I need to work on those. If I have mental health issues, I need to work on those. If I, and just break it down. And, you know, I'm, uh, I'm doing a lot of writing and that's one of the things that I've been doing is like, I write down a a very large, this, this is what's going to happen. And then I break that down into three or four points. And then I break each one of those points into three or four points. And then I break the other three, you know, because you're building waypoints, right? And that's, that's the, the key, at least my way. Like that's for me, that's how I stay in front yeah. of my vehicle or my truck, right? Is that mm-hmm. I keep my, keep my planning small and I can hit these incremental goals and you start to realize that you are making progress. Yeah. You know, an inch or a mile is still forward movement. Yeah. And you, you just have to keep doing that. Yeah, for sure. And, 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 and planning for those speed bumps along the way. And yeah. you know, what happens if I do have one, you know? planning you know it makes it a lot easier to visualize it when you're when you already went through that planning phase you know it's we when we we sit down and we do that map model on the ground and you know where everybody put your pens and papers down you know and they give that scheme of maneuver you know he's telling you exactly what you need to do you just needed to go here you got to do this you know it's broke down into simple little steps um everybody looks at it and when i walk away from those odors I got, I got a picture in my head already. I seen it. He drew, he had on the ground there. I knew the building. I know there's a road there. I know how to get down that road. And then when you get there, it's retrieving that information and, you know, it's visualization, you know, yeah. going through the steps in your head. And I think we need to do more of that. Right. And, and I look a lot at those skills that we learned in the military and, and, you know, I, and like you were saying earlier about switching over and being a civilian, well, you can still be a veteran. You don't need to, you don't need to be a civilian taking those, all those great tools we learned, they go a long way in it you know, in the average uh, community, like your leadership skills, you know, your, your resiliency, like everything you have goes so far and uh, transfer them over to civilian skills. You know, um, I talk about after action review and I I do AARs on myself all the time. I sit down and I'm like, okay, man, let's, let's have a check in here. How are you doing today? And I write stuff down and I'm like, you know, man, I was, 
was a bit of an asshole today. Like I need to sort that out, right? And you know, I didn't do this today. I didn't spend time um, where I should have spent time, maybe with my kids, my family, you know, and um, after action, reviewing it and write down some notes to make me a better person tomorrow, right? And yep. you know, skills we learn in the military every day. We just take them and switch them over to city street. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's not easy by any no, means and you know but it is but it, we have the skill sets we just have yeah, to be able to utilize them right and yeah. you know one of the things that um we were chatting about the other day was i was kind of laughing was i never had the opportunity to get on the truck because <laughs> uh in the actual ruck marching because i was always the marker yeah. like I, was, I was the tallest guy right so they're like okay here's the vest guess what and i had no choice it was you and the worst part of it was like you're constantly running right? You're yeah. going back and forth. So anytime you come up to a road, I got to run all the way to the front, hold, stop at the road, let everybody pass, then catch up to the line. If somebody has fallen back, I got to grab them by the shoulder, run them back to the front of the line, put them in front, go back to my position. And so I remember I did this one uh, ruck march in, I think it was in Gagetown. And I spent the entire 13k running just the whole way I was running back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And people were dropping out like flies. Oh, this was, uh, it was the final Exxon in basic. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I I think I ran probably half a marathon easily. Yeah. Just back and forth. Because I don't think I stopped. I, I Like I was running people's, we hit the water point and I would run the extra five, 500 meters or so just to get there, fill up their water for them, <laughs> get mine to like do three or four of them, let everybody okay. pass me and then catch up and like, here's your water, 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 water. And it was, it was insane. Yeah. But I had a lot of guys come up to me afterwards and uh, after they, you know, made it through that March without getting on the truck and mm-hmm. they were buying me beers and they were like, man, I would never have made it through that if you hadn't to grab me four or five yeah. times. And guys would be like, man, that water that you gave me saved my fucking ruck that I could not have made it without that. And I, I started realizing a little while ago that there are, we have those markers in life, right? Mm-hmm. There, there are people out there that are just, they're, tr- they're trying their best to make sure that you succeed and they will help you. They will drag you if necessary, but you still have to put left, right, left, right. You got to put your foot in front of you. Right. Cause I can, mm-hmm. if I'm going to drag someone to the front as a, you know, as a marker, they have to come with me. Yeah. Even if I'm dragging them, they still have to be moving forward. Cause if they don't, I'm not like, I'm not dragging them. No, it's just, yeah. they're going to hit the ground. and be like, well, fuck <laughs> and I'll, I'll try i'll try and motivate them and i'll you know yell at them and get your ass in line and blah 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 we have to get moving and even as an instructor uh you know when we were in meaford i did the same thing we had guys that would just they started falling back and i would be right there with them i'd be running yeah. beside them like let's fucking go just keep moving keep moving just keep your feet yeah. moving don't stop keep moving and you know recognizing who those people are in life yeah can is so important yeah. and what I found was that the people that wanted to help me the most, the the markers that I call them in my life were, <clears throat> those were the ones that were just happy to see me succeed. Yes. It didn't matter what it was, right? It was just, they were happy that I was doing something. When I, you know, I got out of the military, they were happy. When I, you know, when I got into school, they were happy. When I decided I didn't want to go to that school, I wanted to go to that school. They were happy. Like, it was just yeah. cool, man. You're moving forward. You're making decisions. Awesome. And it's really important to find those people, but it is yeah. not, it's not easy. <laughs> it's, not, no, it's, it's definitely not easy, man. And there's a, it's a long road, right. And it's, 
Um, you know, I think, you know, starting off with that foundation first, you know, and making sure that you're, you're, you know, you're, you're fit, you're mentally fit, you're physically fit, you know, you're, you maintain all those injuries, um, you know, give them the treatment they require um, and get yourself ready, ready to go. And, and all that stuff can be done prior to even transitioning, right? You, you could take care of a lot of that stuff, but, but if you're not in the right mindset, that transition period could go really, really shitty, right? And, and then you get out and, you know, after you get the help, you look back and go like, man, if I had, a, if I had a, had all this help, my transition would have been a lot easier. Maybe I could have went to school and, and, you know, achieved, uh, you know, a trade or whatever it is you wanted to do afterwards. But yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. And, and, and there's so many great, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's moving along. Uh, the transition units are, you know, leaps and bounds where they were 10 years ago. Like, it's amazing. You know, they went from, you know, a spot where it kind of like just if you were injured, you, you went over there and now, now it's a full transition. So everybody at six months goes over there and, and it's great to see uh, everybody getting that time, you know, whether you're injured or you're not injured, you still need to transition. And that is difficult for everybody leaving the military and, and it can't be taken lightly, right? You gotta, you gotta, you gotta know your goals. You gotta set yourself up for success. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta drive that truck. You gotta drive that truck and make sure you're going, you know, in the right direction and, and, you know, and set yourself up. It, it's not, it, it, you're a hundred percent right. But it yeah. is one of the hardest things, uh, especially, you know, <clears throat> the other problem I found was that once you're out, like the day you leave, yeah, you're, that's it. Right. There's no, I found that, that one of the hardest parts was handing in all my kit. Yeah. You know, all this, this was like your life for yeah, I hear you, man. years. <laughs> And then you're just patting it back, like, here you go, man, here you go. And it's kind of exciting, but there's also this, like, by the last three or four pieces of kit, you're like, I yeah. don't really want to get rid of this. And yeah. I don't, and it, so. So many great memories, right? Yeah. And, but once you're gone, that's it, right? Every, you know, you always hear, oh, this unit is a family. We want to take care of our guys and blah, blah, blah. But again, it's the machine has to keep rolling, right? So as yeah. soon as you're out. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Where you're that, all gone. That, that whole huge identity thing as well, I think, and that's a beast on its own, right? Um, and you know, no, knowing you're no longer a rank and a last name, mm -hmm. and you know, and for those that are you know up in those ranks, they need to understand that they're no longer holding that rank two days after the railroad. Right? You can't just show up somewhere and order people to do stuff. You're just another average show on the street, right? And I think that a whole identity thing is uh, is massive as well, and 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 trying to overcome that, Ian, and especially overcoming that with mental health issues, physical issues, and you know, trying to set yourself up for the successful transition, it's hard. It's it's definitely hard, and yeah. uh, but only one person can do it, right? Yeah. Yourself. And you know, the there's a couple things that I, I I really I fall back on when I'm talking about stuff like this, and one of them was. You know, when we were doing um, <clears throat> uh, basic mountain ops, you know, you'd climb up to the top of a mountain and, or climb up to a hill or a wall face or whatever, and you'd get to the top. And the first thing you have to do is turn around and put your hand out for the next yeah. guy that's coming up on yeah. the ridge. And I think that's such a perfect allegory too, because <clears throat> we all want to do that. Like yeah. You, you want to get out and you're like, okay, who's next, right? And I, I'm going to help you, but you can't do that unless... The ground is secure right yeah. you have you still have to be watching your arcs you still have to be looking forward you have to make sure that that you're not just going to get shot in the back when you go to help somebody up off the ridge yeah. and i i liken this to my markers too because you know when i was 
when I got to Meaford, I was bitter. <laughs> I was, I was an angry, angry corporal that was not, uh, was not happy, but I, you know, working with you guys and working under you, I had this, <clears throat> when I, I trying to remember what it was. Oh, you asked me if we could do bat sim. That one oh, day. And yeah. I was like, I can do bat sim. Sure. Yeah. What do you want? And you were like, I don't know, do whatever. And I was like, all right, cool. Yep. I can do whatever. <laughs> and so I came up with this plan and I, uh, I, I remember making a PowerPoint presentation yep. for you and everything. Awesome. And I, you know, I handed it off to you, but, uh, you gave me, as we were saying, like your, the, this wasn't a hundred percent scheme maneuver. You gave me an intent. I want bat sim yeah. and I yeah. want it for my final X. Want it to be cool. Have at her. And you're the expert. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. Uh, expert. Yeah. But well, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I was actually, I, I, knew, I knew my shit. Yeah. But the, um, and then I, you know, I came back to you with a plan, but that's, yeah. that's why I liken you to the, the marker position because that's what you did. You were able to take me from being, you know, uh, sitting around going, yeah, okay. I'm not really doing much except for, you know, teaching machine guns and blowing the odd thing up. And then, yeah. Uh, you were like, okay, see what you can do. Yeah, yeah. Right. And again, it's that that little bit of motivation in terms of your you're pushing, but you're not. So it, you're like dragging me by the shoulder almost. You're like, okay, yeah, come yeah. on, this is the way. Just yeah, yeah, you're going sure. this way, and uh, that helped me have like a really excellent time when I was there because again, you weren't you weren't scared to help me. You weren't scared to uh, tear me down if I needed to be torn down. But you were willing to hand me the reins and be like, "Cool, man. Yeah, you do you." Yeah. And, uh, and of course, being successful is I think as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, I was going to say you also scared the living crap out of me when we were on the range, and uh, you couldn't figure out how to pull smoke. <laughs> you almost <laughs> killed us all. But it was uh, no, it was good. it was awesome times. I I had a blast working for you, and yeah. I mean, I learned so much not only from this conversation, but from working for you years ago. And I can't thank you enough for what you've done. We're just a bit over time right now, but um, do you have any final thoughts, anything you want to say to the, the world? Well, yeah, you know, Chance, it's, uh, I, once again, you talk about that reaching back. You're, you're doing that, man. You're, you're doing that in, in this podcast. You're doing this every day with your uh, deluxe uh, for veterans. Like, all that stuff. You're doing that every day. You're climbing that mountain. You're turning around, reaching back, and and you're pulling buddies up with you. So I applaud you for that, man. It's a uh, it's great to see. Um, just there's there's a lot of guys that I get out that I I follow through you know podcasts or fitness or something, and it's amazing to see you know when you when you work with somebody you know years ago and you now you see them and they're doing something pretty cool. It puts a smile on your face. So. You know, thanks for reaching out to me and you put a smile on my face, man. You, you made my day yesterday. You called, like we chatted and uh, I'm very happy that uh, you're doing well. And, and thank you, man. Thank you so much. Absolutely. My pleasure. If um, anybody wants to follow you or know more about you, social media wise, you have any handles? Yes, uh, like so I'm on Instagram at uh, never passing fault. That's where, uh, and so our motto of the Royal Canadian Regiment, never pass off fault. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is never passing fault and taking my own responsibilities for everything that happened. And so that's my handle, you know, never passing fault and something else like takes the rest of my life. That's fantastic. All right. Yeah. Well, brother, thank you again. This has been fantastic. The, uh, you get to be my inaugural video guy <laughs> as well. Yeah. So uh, again, I can't thank you enough. This has been absolutely wicked.
And my dogs only barked once. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so it's all good. Yeah. All right, brother. That concludes this episode of The Toolbox. I want to thank you for listening. I hope you were able to use some of the information that was offered. I want to thank all those putting it on the line for us every day. Military, veterans, first responders, and public servants. Keep up the good work. I look forward to bringing you more tools for your toolbox. And until next time, stay open, stay humble, and stay focused. Chimo.